Hello and welcome, I'm Gav. Uh, and I'm Sean. Welcome to our first Fencing Podcast. You'll probably have worked out, uh, just from the, the title of the podcast, what it's about. Uh, fencing, obviously. Uh, and with the, the Olympics just finished, our very first podcast is mainly looking at what happened in Rio. Um, so we'll kick, kick off straight away with the first event, uh, which was the, the Women's Epi. Which I think everybody's going to agree was actually quite a good event this year. Um, it was very entertaining, obviously. With uh, Epi, you can often find that it just generates into a, sort of a, a bit of a tactical snore fest where everybody's just uh, looking for position, not actually doing very much. But this year it was a great, great tournament and everybody was really, really positive about fencing after that point. Yeah, uh, I agree. I, I really enjoyed it. Um, I didn't watch everything uh, right, from the, right from the very start. And obviously because it's Epi, um, it would be hard to see... Sort of before the semi-finals, anything that occurred was a, you know, was a huge shock. They almost don't exist. Yes, that's you know, right. Almost, yeah. almost anybody that, that was there uh, was was in with a shout of winning. In the end, the semi-finalists uh, were Sun of China uh, against Fiumengo of Italy uh, and Zash of Hungary uh, against Remy of France. That's right. And the the actual semis were really interesting. They were very close, um, particularly the Fiumengo uh, semi-final where she came back from a deficit to overturn. Um, you know, to, to actually win the, the event itself. So I don't remember exactly at what point that occurred. What were the, the, the comeback? Or the comeback, yeah. The comeback, right. yes. You certainly oh, three or four hits down. Something like that, uh, yeah. With not a lot of time left. Um, and I managed to pull it back and eventually, eventually win the fight. Mm-hmm. Uh, 12-11. Um, yeah. Good one. You know, Quite exciting. We, we do like a good comeback. Um, <laughs> in the other semi-final, uh, Sasha gets Renby. Uh, again, maybe had a bit of a lead. That's right, yeah. Um, but Zash again got, got her tactics yes. working, found the right distance, um, and eventually, eventually yeah. ran out. And so, sort of fairly comfortable winner yeah. at, at 10 6. Yeah, and Sasha's the, uh, the, definitely the more experienced of the two, as I recall as well. Um, yeah, and so Zash's what, early, early to mid 30s? Yeah, something like that. I'd um, have to go look up directly, yeah. Yeah, whereas, whereas Remby's uh, probably 10 years younger, I would say. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's actually been around for a long time. A long, long time. A long time in yeah. the business end of, uh, of women's epi. So that, that took us down to our final, uh, the Mango Sash final. Uh, and again, Sash got a bit, a bit of a slow start. A bit of a slow start, yeah. Um, she was, again, probably three hits down. The Mango picking her off with, That's right, with, yeah. with counter-attacks. Zash probably starting off uh, a bit too far away. Mm-hmm. and struggling to get control of the blade. That's right, yeah. Um, but, but she worked it out. Um, Probably cut the distance a little bit, gave uh, Fiamengo a bit less room to manoeuvre, yes. um, made her, her blade work preparations a, a little more complex, so she was, uh, you know, so it wasn't clear when the attack was starting, right, yeah. and eventually she, she turned it around and, and, and took the win. It was, it was a really good final to watch, um, you know, sort of tactical, tactical change in the, yeah. in the fight to, yeah. to get the win. And I have to say, I think, for, for me, yeah, seeing Sash actually win like that was, was a definite bonus, because she was clearly happy to be there, I mean... You have to say that Fiamengo was the, the favourite going into that particular event. And then at the end of it all, it turned out it was uh, this Hungarian. I don't think anybody really expected her to win. And she just looked so happy all the way through the, the bout. I mean, the, the whole the whole hall was basically lighting every time she smiled. So I was actually very pleased. And it's not just because I like the Hungarians. I was actually genuinely pleased that she won. Um, I think it was actually very, very good for the sport. Yeah, I agree. No, good, good fight. Yeah, good uh, fight. A winner, a winner that we're happy with. Yeah, there was tension, all that, all, all that drama and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so um, men's for the next day. Um, also, a lot of interest for for us as uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, British supporters. Uh, our, our three boys in action yeah. for our our 
one of our stars, uh, James yeah. Davis, didn't didn't go as, as he'd hoped probably. Um, we'll hear a little bit more about that. I think we will that yeah. later. Mm-hmm. Uh, went out to, to Timur Safin in the last sixteen. Uh, Lawrence Hampstead got off to a, a really slow start. Uh, found himself, I think, seven hits down. Yes. Uh, against Chen in the last thirty-two. Yes. Uh, and while he clawed it back to to within, I think, two or three hits at one stage. Uh, you can't really afford to give a no. uh, a world class opponent that that kind of a no, so, no, certainly not uh, foil. Uh, no. So that was that was him out in the in the thirty-two. However, our, our third man, Richard Cruz, yes. had a, had an excellent day. Uh, won his last thirty-two fight very comfortably. Um, had really good win in the last sixteen mm-hmm. against uh, Casarel Italy. Yes, um, his old nemesis, really. Well, exactly, somebody who's been hanging around at the at the top of the sport for for pretty. I mean, I think almost exactly the same age, maybe a, a year's difference. And uh, really good win for Richard there. Yep. On to uh, on to last eight, uh, where he had uh, Garrett Meinhardt, who, who I believe he hadn't beaten before. No, no, first, <laughs> really, a first time win, uh, and picked pick the right moment to do it. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah, really close, exciting fight, and, and into semi finals for Richard. Yeah. Um, joining in there, we had Daniel Garozzo of Italy, uh, world number one Alex Masayas, yes, uh, and the aforementioned Timur Safin of uh, Russia. Yes, Russia. Yeah, uh, yeah. More on, more on that. I'm sure, sure. Yeah. Plenty more to say on the, uh, yeah. uh, the the Russia question. In terms of surprises in this one, you, you probably could say that Masielis was um, favourite going into the event, uh, world number one by quite a distance. Mm-hmm. Um, men's four though has become almost as unpredictable as as men's epi uh, in in terms of picking a picking a winner. Yeah, indeed. A whole load of different winners in, in the World Cup mm-hmm. Grand Prix this this season. But uh, reigning world champion. Uh, Yuki Ota, first fight of the day against one of the Brazilian fencers, uh, Toldo, um, and Toldo duly wins. I think yeah. that can be safely described as a, a, a genuine shock I, and a surprise. Yeah, and I, 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 and I have to say that uh, Yuki Ota has, uh, he's one of my favourite fencers in terms of men's foil. I really love the guy and was more than a little bit disappointed in that result. Yeah. Uh, the thing was, we were, we were busy watching, um, I can't remember which, which one of the British guys was in action at that point. Oh, that's right, yeah. Um, but you could tell that something exciting was happening on one of the other pieces, because yes. the, uh, the Brazilian crowd were going absolutely mental. They were. Um, and, and you kind of half wish, well, maybe, maybe I should be watching something else. You know? <laughs> uh, I yeah. if, if it was the last 32 fight for, uh, for Richard or James, that they, were all, they were both pretty straightforward, yeah. and they thought... What's all the excitement? Yeah, uh, yeah, and, and Toldo had a great day. He went on to win as well. He he had to have a fight in the last sixty four uh, against uh, Rennie Prantz. Oh yes, so which, which he won fifteen fourteen. Yeah, then knocked out uh, Ota fifteen fourteen. Won his last sixteen fight and eventually uh, made made the quarterfinals. Where uh, eventually I mean, also got got rid of him. Yeah, I mean, has there ever been a Brazilian to do that in men's foil? I mean, I don't know about uh, the other ones, but men's foil, not, not that I can think of. No, I know. So it's like. That's hometown advantage right there, I think. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, one of the other Brazilians, I think, also made the last 16. Let me just check this. No, no, apparently. No, no. no, no. Uh, but yeah, uh, obviously a, a great day yeah. for, uh, uh, for Mr. Toldo in his, uh, in his hometown. Yeah. Uh, so our semi-finals uh, were both fairly one-sided, uh, to be fair. Um, we had uh, Grosso, uh taking care of uh, Safan, pretty straightforward fashion, a yep. fifteen-eight win. Do it, yep. uh, and Richard, Richard couldn't quite work out how to how to deal with Masialis. That's um, right. Yeah. It, it looked like he had the right idea about where to, where to make his attacks to deal with um, Masialis sort of counter-attacking block, um, mm-hmm. looking to, to make the hit under the arm or, yep. or around the back of the shoulder. 
Um, but but missed a few, and in the end, it was a, a reasonably comfy uh, 59 win for Marcialis. I think even even with, with us rooting for Richard, we have to say that it was really comfortable for Marcialis. It didn't look like it was in doubt, I don't think. No, no, no. it shouldn't be. That's, that's probably, yeah. probably a fair comment. Um, so the uh, fight off for the bronze medal, um, Saffron went out to pretty big lead. Yep. Um, he was probably about 13 eight up, I think. Yeah, that's right. Uh, and then Richard would just start to work it out. Maybe Saffron got a bit nervous. Yeah. Um, and it's it's getting super close. Mm-hmm. Um, finally gets back to Saffron being 14-13 up and really all the momentum was with Richard at that point. Yeah. Then there's a minute break and uh, come back out and two seconds in, Saffron I, scores the 15th hit. I mean, I think that's, that's it's quite, an, it's quite an interesting point because you can... I mean, if you... You know, when you look at fencing, you always get these moments when you're actually offensive yourself. You think, you know, oh, tides come round, it's in my favour, and you, you're sort of you're bringing the other person, you're reeling them back in again. It looks like you're on for the win, and the last thing you want at that point is any kind of break. You want to keep on yeah. with it, and it was it was almost as though the it was like the final that divine moment where you just knew the break was going to be everything that Safin needed. Yeah, the just spell, the, the spell yeah. was broken. Yeah, yeah, the spell was broken at that yeah. point. Yeah, so I mean, disappointed for Richard, uh, but. But a magnificent performance. Oh, it was great, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I really, I really thought he was going to do that. I wish he had. And from what I can, from what I can tell, everybody, well, not everybody, but loads more people were watching that particular match than you could probably have predicted. I've had comments from all kinds of people who I wouldn't have ever expected to watch any kind of sport, let alone uh, men's foils. Just people at work, so say, in the sort of organisation I work in, it's mostly arts related. But lots of them were tuning in just to watch Richard. So, right. so it was actually, I think, it's, I think it's very positive for us in, in Britain. I think very positive for the for the sport as a whole, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I agree. It was uh, it was great, but you know, never been. Oh. <laughs> so anyway, enough about our, our uh, <coughs> disappointment, our yeah. disappointment, parochial interest. Um, on to the final. Um, uh, Girls of Italy against uh, Massialis of America. As I say, Massialis came in as world number one and, yeah. and, and probably the favourite. Um, he had had a bit of a fight in his quarterfinal fight against um, Avola of Italy. Mm. Uh, he was miles down, fourteen eight down. Oh, that's right. That was an um, amazing comeback. Uh, amazing comeback from, from Massialis. Uh, mm-hmm. a horrible meltdown from <laughs> from Avola. Yeah. For, um, you really shouldn't be able to reel off seven hits in a row um, again. No, that just shouldn't happen almost at anybody. all. No. Um, but yeah, he did it. So uh, he, I suspect it's a conversation we're about to have in another event as well. But but losing a large lead like that, yeah, maybe not. Um, but in any event, the, the final against Garozzo was um, relatively one-sided. Garozzo yeah. was uh, on fantastic form, and he came into the into these Olympics um, having never won um, a senior event at all. No World Cup wins, no Grand Prix wins, hasn't won the Europeans. Um, so if you're going to pick your moment to, to win your win your first biggie. Mm-hmm. Um, probably the Olympics is the time to do it. I'd say so, and that's why I call peaking. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's exactly why I call that. That's peaking. Yeah, yeah, it was. Uh, I mean, Gross is a tremendous fencer. I really like watching him. Yeah. Uh, when you watch him fencing, clearly Italian. Sort yeah. Of, uh, just hand position, uh, the way he moves, super slow preparation, very fast yeah, finish. Yeah. It's, yeah. Uh, it is a good, a good fencer to watch. Yes. Um, but in the past, he's he's not managed to do it for a whole day, and and finally did. And yeah, and. What I've got to say, I, we, we saw Garozzo fence at the CIP as well when we were in Paris, remember? Yeah. And, um, you know, the Italian team were melting down, as I remember. 
and uh, it was Grotzo was the calm and level-headed one out of a lot of them and I've always and since then I've been sort of following a bit closely about what Grotzo has been doing and I've been, always been sort of slightly impressed but I was really surprised when you mentioned to me that he's never won anything before yeah he's still pretty young he's only, he's only 24 I mean the, that was one of the things about the podium of the, of the three medalists Grotzo and Safin um, are exactly exactly the same age they share a birthday uh, so you both wow. 24 just a few days before the Olympics started uh, and Marcellus is only 22 mm. Um, so I remember Greg Marcellus sometime earlier this year I think it was uh, said that men's fall is now um, a young man's sport and, and those results um, do pretty much back it up I've always um, thought that though to be fair I've always thought that men's fall favoured younger fencers than maybe other sports other other versions of fence other weapons yeah, yeah. yeah. so men's, men's fall yeah uh, next up Women's Sabre. Women's Sabre. I didn't watch any Women's Sabre. I'm going to throw this one out there and just admit to it straight away, I didn't watch any Women's Sabre this year. Sorry about that, everybody, but I just didn't get round to it. Uh, okay, well, I, I, I did. Um, uh, I certainly watched semi-finals and final uh, and the, the bronze medal match. I also was pointed towards uh, a couple of other matches. All uh, right. And I'll, I'll come back to, to why a little bit later on. But our, our line-up for the semi-finals uh, was Velikaya of Russia... Um, against Brunei of France and in the other semi-final uh, Yara Igorian uh, against Olga Karlan Velkaya world number one probably came in as favourite but in her fight against Brunei she was uh, a long way down 14 10 mm-hmm. down yep. um, started to claw it back uh, got to about 14-13 and then uh, from what I saw the first uh, properly controversial um, hit of the, the Olympics um, is that the one, the one that everyone's been watching? Well, I've been watching it. Yeah, pretty yeah. much. Um, it looked like, to my relatively unfair eye, I don't, I don't watch a whole load of sabre. I'm, I don't fence sabre. Yes, I don't coach it. But it looked very much, very much like uh, Bruni's attack. And Bruni goes, Yahoo, I'll take yeah. that. Of course, Velikai is immediately calling for the video review. I mean, whether you think it's your hit or not, you're, 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 about, go for it, yeah. you're about to go out, so you might as well yeah. you might as well ask for it. And off you go to the video review, uh, and it's overturned and given as simultaneous. Mm. Now, at the time, that can seem surprising to me. Uh, saw it in slow motion uh, while, the, while the referees and the um, assistant referee uh, are looking at the, the replays. Still looks like, uh, like the French woman's attack. I've watched it again later, and I still cannot for the life of me work out how the hit was overturned. Well, I mean, it's the only bit of women's sabre that I've really looked at. <laughs> one hit to go, yeah, oh, that, that one that hit, right? Yeah, because after we talked about it, I found that video online and I sat and watched it and it's all nicely annotated, but it is clear, even without the annotations, that no, I shouldn't have been given that way around. And the fact that the referee made the right decision and then overturned it to the wrong decision is just deeply perplexing. I just don't know what he was thinking. You know. No, neither do I. In the other semi-final, uh, Gorian against Carlin. Um, Gorian, young fencer, um, I think early early twenties. Mm-hmm. Yep. Carlin, Carlin, uh, I'm pretty sure has been world champion. Um, she's she's a good, great fencer to watch. Lots of lots of variety in what she goes for. But in the end, Gorian ran a fairly comfortable yeah. with, with a 15-9 win. Mm-hmm. So uh, in the bronze medal match, a slightly broken-looking Brunei. Uh, didn't put up too much of a fight and um, Carlan ran out uh, a fairly comfortable winner of the bronze medal. Um, in the final, um, a pretty subdued affair um, to, to teammates. Yeah. Um, it's hard to get very, very excited about that. Um, it, it, was, uh, it was close. There was you know, lots of good fencing. 
but you know, as I say, hard, hard to get very excited about it. Uh, in the end, uh, Gordon ran out, ran out winner, uh, yeah, fifteen fourteen, yeah. Um, so uh, Christian Bauer, the uh, coach of the Russian team, uh, you know, looking suitably pleased with himself even before the the, the final started. Um, the only thing that I, I would mention on this is uh, we've we've talked a bit about uh, Velikaya's escape um, against Bruni in the in the semi final. It is the one that has attracted most of the attention. Um, but earlier on in the day, uh, she'd had a fight in the last 16 All right, okay. uh, against Lembach of France. And this, this is one that was pointed out to me. I hadn't, hadn't spotted it myself. Uh, very close fight, goes to 14 all. What it looks like to, again, as I say, I'm, I'm not an FIA Sabre referee by any stretch of the imagination, it looks like Lembach attacks and hits her. She goes to um, Velikaya, looks for the parry post, doesn't find it, and gets hit. Uh, but not the referee. The referee <laughs> Thought well, something the, uh, entirely different. She uh, was called as um, uh, Lembach's attack was parried, uh, and Velikaya's repost. Lembach asked for the year review, comes back with exactly the same thing. And again, I've looked at it a few times, and I, I just can't see it. It's, it's interesting. <laughs> so, so, yeah, I mean, maybe it's a bit. I mean, referees make mistakes. I'm not, they do, yeah. I'm not suggesting that uh, I'm expecting infallible refereeing, but the no. idea, obviously, with the video reviews. That you would greatly reduce that. Mm. So, so when your uh, your decision gets sent for a video review, it's a bit disappointing when well, when it comes back with something that still looks wrong. Yeah, and a sport they say you say that you make your own luck. Do you think the Vilakai just has some kind of I don't know some kind of field, some sort of special ability there to, to make the referee believe something that is uh, reality <laughs> says is different, <laughs> some sort of magical powers? Um, uh, maybe. Yeah. Um, I'm not one for the Harry Potter explanation. But, no, uh, no. no. Um, it's almost as good as any other that I can think of. Right. Yeah. Um, so, women's sabre, done. Um, on to the men's epi. No, I, I have to say, I, I really enjoyed the men's epi. Well, the individual in particular this year, I thought, was very, 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 very good. Um, it wasn't all brilliant from all of my favourite fences. Um, not all of the guys I thought of until the last day were perhaps the guys I wanted to see in the last eight, or certainly the ones that didn't get out of the last eight weren't, weren't my favourites anyway. But there's some really notable ones, I think, if we're just looking, you know, starting round about there. I mean, obviously, I'm, I like Max Hounser a lot, which we'll come back you to are, later. Are, are I, I do love Max. It's, it's just a shame that Max didn't do better this year. But he did say that he had a sore ankle, and that maybe explains why he wasn't quite as uh, mobile as, yeah, he, as you would expect. Yeah, I believe he, he did injure his ankle in the last 16. Right. Um, and he did get a, a, a terrible thrashing in the in the last eight. Yeah, it was a real proper gubbing, basically. Yeah. <laughs> there was no there was no two ways about it. He was going out that day. Yeah, yeah. But never mind. These things happened. I was a bit surprised not to see uh, Novoselov. It's a I think he's another quality fencer coming a little bit higher than he than he did. But never yeah, mind. And the quarterfinals. Yeah. So these things happen. Obviously, it's a, it's, it's just it's not like. A, you know, it's the event, you know, it's the Olympics, there's only so much you can actually do, there's no pools or anything like that to sort out who's going and what, it's just straight to elimination, so, you know, that's that's how it panned out, really. Yeah, I mean, I think for a, a men's epi event, though, or a men's epi Olympics, uh, at least some of the semi-finalists were um, fairly predictable, I mean, you had world number one, Gautier uh, mm-hmm. Brumé, and Safe made it through, um, and uh, he ended up facing uh, reigning, uh, reigning world champion uh, Gizemu in the yes, semi-final. So two, two greats, essentially. Two, two greats, yeah, yeah two exactly. Greats. Um, meeting up in the, the semi-final. So, uh, and in the other semi-final, uh, perhaps a, a slightly more surprising lineup: uh, Benny Stefan of, of Switzerland, yeah, indeed, uh, against the against the young Korean Park. Yeah, 
Uh, so talk me through it. Well, I mean, like, Emery, well, with, with, uh, with Grimmie and, and, and Emery, it's quite an interesting matchup because Guy's Emery is essentially the old man of this tournament. He's 41? 41 now, yeah. He's 41 now. Uh, so it's hope for us all, yeah, yeah. Uh, I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> I thought I was 41 behind uh, a yeah. while ago, but yeah. Yeah. And uh, you've got Gautier Grimmie, who's consistently excellent. Um, he's a very, very good fencer. You wouldn't say he was the most... Um, Astonishingly exciting to watch. Right. He's not Mr. Charisma, I think it's fair to say. No, no, uh, he, he does conform to, let's say, an epistereotype. <laughs> <laughs> uh, which is probably a bit unfair. Agouti, if you hear this, you'll feel free to give me a call. Um, but he's a, yeah, he's a good fencer, I think. I think when you look at it, it was quite close. It was hit for hit all the way through. Uh, I'm trying, I'm actually just reaching into my memory at the moment, and I remember it being very, very exciting that there was a point where it switched around. Now, Giza Imred, I think, in the stats, doesn't often beat uh, Gautier, is that fair? Uh, I'm not sure, to be honest. I, I, think, I think that's how I remembered it anyway, and I think it was the, the odds were stacked against it. But anyway, Giza Imre, oh, he came around and he actually eventually won 15-13. And uh, I think we were all really, really, ha- you know, really, really happy to see it. This is another one of these things which we're really happy. We're going to talk about this in a minute. But uh, yeah, Giza Imre making the final was... Superb, I believe. And then, and then, obviously, in the other semi, we've got uh, Benny Stefan versus Park. And I've got to admit, I don't know very much about uh, about Park, other than the fact that he's a Korean fencer, and they're always exciting to watch. But I find that I find these guys. He is very young. He's only he's only twenty. Yeah, he's only twenty. Yeah, he is only twenty. But also uh, with Benny Stefan, um, the Swiss team are all quite interesting fencers. They're not all. They're not Max Heinzers. They're not all Max Heinzers, but they do all have a very exciting way of fencing. I find when I watch them, they're quite mobile. They're quite sort of active, um, not quite as active as the Koreans who are just basically hyperactive. I <laughs> honestly don't know where they get it from, but they just move constantly. And it was, and and in this one, I don't think there was any doubt that it was going to be Park. Park was just dominant throughout. I don't remember at any point where Stefan looked like he would be threatening for a comeback or anything like that. And uh, Park won the day. I mean, there's no other way to put it. Mm. You know, it's lovely. You know? So in our um, in the bronze medal match. Uh, with uh, Grimier and uh, Stefan, reasonably comfortable win, win for, for Grimier. Yeah, yeah, well, Grimier, you would say, is the better of the two, without a doubt. Um, yeah, it seemed... Um, consistently better results. Everything's consistent about Grimier. There's no doubt in that at all. Yeah. I mean, looking at the two semi-finals, the Grimier-Imri one looked, looked the stronger of the yes. two. Yes, yeah, I would definitely uh, go before, for that. Before it started. Yeah. Which, which one of these would you... You'd rather avoid. Well, if I was any of those, if I was either Stefan or Park, I would definitely be glad yeah, that I pulled, you pulled the other guy. Yeah. I don't think any of the, either of those two would have went through if that was the case. But yeah, it was good. It was very, very interesting. Yeah. And we get into the final, and well, what can we say really? So on paper, Giza Imre, our old man, very experienced. Somewhat ironically, in my in my opinion, he's the, he comes from a crop of Hungarian fencers that I always found really interesting, quite inspirational when I was when I was fencing as well. I mean, obviously they were much higher level than me, but when I when I was when I got a chance to see them, I always found them really interesting. And you know, and again, the, the Hungarian style is very it's very consistent. It's very you know it's very, you know playing to the percentages essentially, but very exciting at the same time. And you have this younger, much, much younger fencer. Very explosive, very fast. It's all about the athleticism, you know, and that sort of dynamic tactical awareness that the the Koreans, I think, actually do have. And I think on paper you would have put, them, put money on, on Park at the start, but really, no. Oh, really? Well, I, I don't Despite know. Experience. I think, I, I remember saying to somebody at the time that my, my money was on Park at the time, even though I wanted it to be Giza Imri. So it was really surprising when Giza Imri started to win. <laughs> And he was really, really thrashing Park. 
Yeah, it seemed well in control. I mean, it was uh, it was a masterclass in how you, you control your opponent and put them in a situation where they don't actually have any options. You know, if Park were going to do anything, Gizit Emery was, had, a, had a response for it. It was actually just... It's just absolutely brilliant to watch, I thought. Mm-hmm. Right up to the point where he's almost <laughs> there. Well, it was one. Giving his epic masterclass, and yeah. um, Emery gets to, what, 14 10? 14 10, yes. Jack, talk me through what happened there. Well, I think it's fair to say that Giza Emery decided he wanted to go out on a high. I think that's fair to say. And he decided to hang the plan. I'm Giza Emery. I'm going to win this. I'm promptly lost. He did, yeah. <laughs> it was a, a remarkable implosion, really. Um, oh, he was so in control of things. His his tactical plan had been working an absolute treat. He he got almost his hands on an Olympic gold medal, and then it all changed. I I have to admit, I was shouting so loudly, I gave myself a headache. <laughs> I was, I wanted him to win. I desperately, desperately wanted him to win. I uh, just, I, and you could you could almost see it. You could see his coach yelling at the side, stick to the plan. I mean, that's all he had to do. He just had to stick to the plan. He would have won. And I think, if I was Giza, I'm going to be waking up for a long, long time in the middle of the night in a cold sweat. Yeah. Imagine that moment where I thought, I'm going to win. Yeah. What a shame for him. I mean, here we are discussing, discussing, discussing Giza's uh, at 41, getting a silver medal as though it was some kind of weird failure. But yeah, it it really isn't. It's still pretty, you know, you've got to look at it. It's still an amazing result for him. I mean, when was the last time you had a medal in the Olympics? Was it the last time around, or...? Uh, no, I don't think... I think the last time you won a, an individual medal was... Two cycles, maybe? No, more than that. I think mm-hmm. I think you got a bronze in either 2000 mm-hmm. or maybe even 96. Oh, I mean, 20 this... years ago. Yeah. I would need to check that, but it's... I, I I'm pretty even... certain that it's a long, long time ago. Yeah. I... A really an entirely different generation yeah. of fencers. And I... Just, I was just a bit. Epi's one of that. This is why was. This is kind of what I was hinting at when we're talking immense foil. Immense foil, I think, has always been really for the youngsters. I, I, I maybe, maybe back in the sixties and seventies, you'd have got older guys winning it. But really, I don't think for any time that I can remember in recent years, it's always been the youngsters. But you still see it in men's epi. It's still possible to win if you are in control and you have the experience and you can just, you know, do your thing. You can essentially, control the fight. You can, as long as you can control the fight and control your opponent. You can still win, and yeah. that means so you, you can, can nullify the sort of physical exactly. challenges of, exactly. a, of a younger fencer exactly. with, uh, with smart fencing. With smart fencing, and uh, just as long as you keep your head. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so close, so close. Ah, oh, poor guy. Yeah. So, men's epi. Um, next up, uh, women's foil. No, I didn't get a chance. I was actually, but I wanted to watch this, but I was actually genuinely busy with. Work. Yeah, you say that, yeah. Uh, no, <laughs> nobody believes you. Um, I, I did watch um, most of it, not everything. Um, but before we move on to who, who made it through the semi-finals. Uh, one again, a, a really, really big shock in this one. Ariana Rigo, uh, yeah. world number one, uh, has had an incredibly dominant season. Mm-hmm. Um, of the eight World Cups and Grand Prix, um, she won four, uh, finished second at one, and had two third places. Uh, plus, she won the European Championships. Wow. So, of her sort of regular season events before the Olympics, mm-hmm. she won five out of nine of them. And picked uh, up medals at three others. Yeah, and Arrigo is an amazing fencer. Let's be honest. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. but she she managed to, to dive out in the last sixteen um, against the uh, young Canadian um, Eleanor Harvey. I mean, a, a properly amazing, amazing result. Yes. On to semi finals though. Uh, we had uh, Inis Bakri of Tunisia. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
against uh, reigning Olympic champion Elisa Di Francisca. Another, cla- another great fencer. Another class act. Yep. Uh, and in the other semi-final, we had a, a, an old Russian affair, uh, Ada Shineva, uh, against Inadera Kozrova. Mm-hmm. First semi-final, uh, pretty close. Uh, the Bakri had the lead early on. Wouldn't, wouldn't let uh, Di Francesca settle. Uh, really good fight, but eventually, uh, eventually uh, the Italian got on top and ran out with a, a, a 12, 12 9 win. Yeah. Not not massively exciting to watch, but uh, you know, the back here looking to sort of disrupt and break up yeah. um, Di Francesca's uh, rhythm. Yeah, it, it was a bit of a struggle. Yeah. Interesting in its way, but not, not exciting, I would, would have said. Uh, the other semi final was an absolute rout um, between the two, yeah. two Russians. Um, yeah, it, it finished up with a 15 15 3 win. For uh, Derek Lazuba, which sounds bad enough, but actually the score was fourteen one. Oh, so it could, it could have been even worse. In the in the bronze medal match, James um, Babacki uh, eventually ran out the winner uh, against a, a, an obviously slightly uh, shell shocked Shineva uh, um, to to take the bronze medal. Wow. Um, that that was a, a good result. It, it broke up the sort of uh, Italian Russian uh, control over the over the weapon, which is, is pretty much how it works. I mean, the, yeah, the, old, yeah. the old French women gets a, gets a result here and there, but it's it's very much dominated at the moment by uh, Russia and Italy. Um, and uh, the sort of interesting point in that is that um, the Bakri's bronze medal was the uh, first Olympic medal in fencing won by an, an African African woman. That's amazing. That's yeah. really that's really good news. I mean, it just shows that. Um, uh, fencing is opening up into sort of a wider audience. If you yeah. think about it that way. Um, so on to the final. I I must admit that before the, the competition started, um, although Rigo was strong favourite, yeah, and and didn't didn't work out for her. I I kind of suggested that Derek was a, a a good a good bet, as a, really? you know, a good outside bet mm-hmm. uh, to win, and um, she did largely control the final. Uh, she built up a built up a lead over the. Over the full three three periods, and was fairly comfortably ahead. I mean, she was probably 12, 12 seven up. Really, not very much time. Maybe about a minute or so left. Different sister had to go on the charge a bit, and maybe a hint of panic from Derek was over. I mean, she kept it together, mm-hmm. uh, and eventually managed to run out team time to, to take a a twelve eleven win. So yeah, a, a, a good win. Uh, was it an interesting? An interest- it, it was. Yeah, it was. Uh, I, and as I say, I like. I like Derek De Silva, Di Francesca, again, quality, quality fencer, mm-hmm. reading, reading champion yep, yep. coming in. Yeah, it was good. Yeah, interesting quality fencing. Good. Uh, I, I don't know that I got hugely excited about it. Really? But it was, uh, yeah. yeah. Okay. Can't even really quite put my finger on why. But, but yeah, a good, a good, a good one. Right, okay. Competition. Okay, right, okay. Yeah. Ah, now into Men's Sabre. Okay, so um, what I forgot to mention was that uh, the way the Olympics work in terms of the events that are there, when Women's Sabre was introduced in order to ensure sort of equal uh, participation for men and women across all the weapons, mm-hmm. um, what the IOC decided was, right, well, you've already got enough Olympic medals, um, so you're not getting any more than the, the 10 that you have already, um, so what you're going to have to do is come up with a way to, to run your events so you don't have any more than 10, 10 Olympic gold medals. So the solution was that you would still have all six uh, individual events but you would then only have four team events. So, two, yes. so one men's and one women's team event would miss out at every Olympics and it would go on rotation. So the ones missing out this time round uh, were women's foil, mm-hmm. uh, which we just, just discussed the individual, and uh, the men's sabre. Yeah. Uh, so men's sabre individual was up next. Again, I, I think we're, we're probably going to have to confess, and people may have worked out already, that neither of us are um, devoted followers of sabre. Um, no. 
I, I don't fence it, I, or never really fenced it, no. uh, I don't coach it, and, and I don't spend a whole lot of time uh, following, following no. what, uh, what goes on in the, in the world of Sabre. So apologies if any of this sounds a bit appallingly ignorant, but um, <laughs> uh, I, I did try to redeem myself by watching quite a lot of the men's Sabre. Bits that were, bits that were interesting, um, the Korean Goo uh, went in the last 16, um, when I do watch Sabre, uh, I, do, I do quite like watching, watching him, uh, All right. incredibly athletic. Uh, but by the last 16, I, I did watch uh, Adam Montano, because he's, oh, right. uh, he's, he's also ancient, ancient Italian, um, late 30s, I think, now. Is he not 40 yet? I but think he must be getting pretty close. He must be getting pretty close. He's been around forever. But he, he went out in the last last 16, um, being everything you would expect uh, an Italian suburb to be um, kind of shouty and unpleasant and aggressive. Oh, and right. um, uh, when it ends up going out, that's... That's no bad thing. I, I, I quite enjoyed that. <laughs> oh, um, I, I suppose the big surprise in this one um, was in the semi-finals was Taba Adini of uh, of Iran. Now, if you don't if you don't follow Sabre closely or you don't follow Men's Sabre closely, uh, it may have passed you by that actually the Iranians are very good. Um, I have to admit, when I found this out, I was genuinely surprised. Yeah. When th- that there was an Iranian in there and he was actually good, I, I didn't expect that at all. Yeah. I'm honest. I mean, it was a bit of a surprise result, but um, yeah, fully deserved. Why um, not? And yeah. the people that are um, follow Sabre closely again equally wouldn't be hugely surprised mm-hmm. uh, that that Iranians made it made it to the the semi finals. So semi final uh, line lineup uh, was Kim of Korea uh, against reigning Olympic champion uh, Aaron Shalagi of Hungary, and in the other semi final, uh, Abedini uh, against Al Huma of the USA. Yes. Um, Kim Shalagi was the first one. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was that was a tremendous fight. Uh, Shalagi took a, an early lead. I think he got five nothing up, uh, which meant he could, to some degree, control the fight again. Yeah. But it, it was virtually stuff he hit with uh, a huge variety of diff- different moves. It was mm-hmm. uh, you know everything you would want from from Saber. Not too much in the way of on guard ready fence together, yeah. on guard ready fence together, um, mobile theories, great. And eventually, um, I mean, Kim made a bit of a comeback. Yes. Uh, and the, these, these two have been. Back in the week, you know, sort of top end of the men's saber rankings for, mm-hmm. for this uh, Olympic cycle, uh, fairly evenly matched. Um, Chilagi's won some, Kim has yeah. won others, uh, and eventually uh, Chilagi married a uh, 15 12 winner. Uh, the other semi final, uh, less tactically varied, a lot more in the way of what well, you'd expect, smashy, smashy saber, is that? <laughs> so harsh, Kat. So <laughs> harsh. I'm, I'm sure, I'm sure any suburbs that are listening to this will, will, will almost certainly tell you that. Um, but uh, yes, it was. Alright. Oh, okay. um, Homer got a bit of a lead. Uh, Aberdeen clawed it back. Eventually comes to 14 0. Um, and at that point, Daryl Homer uh, gambles big. Referee goes on guard ready fence. Both fences step forward. Looks like it's going to go simultaneous. Aberdeen launches attack. And Homer absolutely nails him with a parry repulse. Yeah. It was absolutely immense. Um, oh, brilliant hit. <laughs> a brilliant hit. I, I know you sound unconvinced, but honestly, Gavin, yeah. it was. It was Awesome. We should have seen it now. We should have seen it. In the in the third fourth place uh, match for the bronze medal, um, Kim ran it fairly comfortably right. to, okay. to take the bronze. Uh, and he, he was pretty pleased with it. In the same way that MSA uh, uh, Sash looked delighted with our yeah. medal, uh, Kim looked very pleased. Oh. Very pleased to get a bronze. I kind of feel for the reigning guy though. I mean, that would have been something for him. Eh? If the reigning's are good at, at Sabre, when was the last time they won? I just can't oh, I see. So don't get me wrong. Um, they're they're good in the sense of being a a good top ten country right. in, mm-hmm. in Sabre, in men's Sabre. Mm-hmm. 
Um, they don't they don't have guys that win regularly, but they're you know they're yeah. very, very competent, very solid, uh, and certainly in other weapons you, you couldn't remotely see the same yeah, no. about any of no. the Iranian things. Um, so on to the final, um, a fairly one sided in the end. Uh, mm-hmm. Salagi was the the class act. Yeah, I was just just had too much for Darrell Goldman mm-hmm. in the final, and uh, eventually won uh, fifteen eight to to retain his title, which uh, pretty impressive, obviously. And he's well, still so young; he's only twenty six. Is it? I thought he was slightly older. Than well, that, that's so. what I thought. I was about to, I was about to say that I thought he was actually a lot older. No. Um, yeah, only only twenty two when he won in London, um, uh, and a, a joy to watch. So he, I would think he'd be good for at least one more, two. Well, I would have thought so. Yeah, I mean, is Saber perhaps edged into that into the same? It's so physical and so fast now that it's a bit like foil, where it's unlikely that anyone over a certain age is going to be able to win. Because um, you you were talking about Aldo Montano and the fact that he went out being a bit surprised, but oh no, I don't. I didn't say it was. Particular surprise that he went. Right. Actually. Okay. Um, but I think I, I was interested in him because he's been around for ages. Um, mm-hmm. It's a, a name that I was familiar with. Yeah. Um, and he is a, everything you'd expect of, a, yeah. of an Italian yeah. mezzo Uh Yeah, I think certainly he was the oldest there. Um, yeah, I'm not sure. I would, I would need to get a more expert opinion than mine whether that's. Yeah, we need to. Uh, I need to put words out for that one. I think. I think. Yeah. So if, if you're listening to this and uh, you have a strong opinion on that, it'd be interesting to hear what somebody who has any, any thoughts on that has to say. You know, I think I'm right though. I think I can't see Saber ever getting getting to the point where if you're over a certain age, you're going to be able to win at it. Ooh, well, actually, what I'm doing just now is I'm having a quick look at the ages of the uh, the guys who finished at the in the business. And the two finalists, uh, Zalagi and Homer, um, both both 26. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Kim's 32, uh, Aberdeen 31, uh, Don uh, the Romanian 28, uh, Anstett. 34, uh, Kovalev's 30. Mm, so, I made them wrong, well, we'll see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're more, they're more yeah. life and you know, the hardest to break than you might think. Um, so that was the end of the, the individuals. Yep. Um, on to the team events. Women's Epi up first. Um, 19th in this one, Brazil, Brazil mm-hmm. fielded a team that uh, used up some of their, yep. their home nation spaces. Uh-huh. Um, uh, lost, lost to Ukraine. That's what you do when you're the home nation, you just throw everything you've got at it. Yeah, well, you know, there's no point with trying to go nation places. Uh, yeah, I mean, why would anybody do that? Want to use it? So, um, mm. so yeah, um, quarterfinals. Uh, China beat Ukraine. Um, Estonia beat Korea. Uh, Korea in a very close one. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Russia beat France and um, and Romania um, edged past the USA. So left our semi-finals. Uh, China, Estonia, and uh, Russia against Romania. Um, both fairly comfortable wins. Uh, China going past Estonia, forty-five mm-hmm. thirty-six. Yep. Um, and Romania uh, giving Russia a good thump in 45-31. I didn't watch the bronze medal match, um, but um, Russia took the bronze in the women's epi team. Final final was absolutely tremendous. Really, really good final. Did did you watch it? No, again, I had to work late at work. That was a genuine, this is is genuine. I (laughs) I did actually have to work that night. Sorry. Worst excuses. (laughs) It's the truth. Absolutely um, the truth. I like Epi, you know that. Yeah, but it was yeah. it was a real ding dong battle. There was hardly any other way of you know just bouncing around right. for for time to run out. Um, uh, Romania, a great team uh, to watch. They are and totally entertaining, uh, mobile, exciting. What's the yeah. right? What's the tactical variation? China a bit more physical, you know, a taller, mm-hmm. uh, taller, stronger team. Yeah. Um, but you know, Romania kept them kept them constantly guessing, constantly unsure about what they were going to do. Yeah. Uh, and and. Had, clearly had a very good tactical understanding of what was going to be required uh, to get them to the win, uh, which which they duly got um, 44-38. Yeah. It really was a fantastic final to watch. I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed it. 
Well, I'm definitely, it's on my things to watch at the moment, and I'll definitely be catching up on that one. You should, that you should go yeah. do your homework. <laughs> Just add. Yeah. <laughs> um, so next up, I mean, it's for the game, well, um, yeah. British interest, um, our guys up against uh, Russia in the quarterfinal. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, very, very close. Um, you know, if you've not watched that, I was a surprise, Russia, Russia eventually won. Um, of the, considering I missed the first couple about, and considering how much of a lead Russia had, it really, really, really got close. I mean, it's it's worth mentioning that. I mean, the final score doesn't make it look like it was that close, but well, uh, a couple of hits in it um, yeah. is, is a close match. Um, what I would say uh, is that yeah, I don't have, you know, I'm not an entirely neutral opinion here. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> I was hoping for a British win, but I I couldn't help feeling. That Russia got the the best of the refereeing and uh, and the video reviews. Discussed uh, this already. It's a Harry Potter skill. It's a magical ability. You think that's what it is? I it, think it it's is. certainly a possibility. Um, certainly, some of the decisions I, I I couldn't come up with another explanation of how the, the hits were awarded the way they were, other than some kind of uh, mind control or yeah. magic that, that prevented the refereeing referee from seeing seeing what happened. Oh, just I can, I'm, I'm having some flashbacks to some awful moments right now. Watching the the replay and then the score going the other way. And all you could hear was a collective, hmm? Yes. You know, yeah. every single time. Um, yeah, it was. I mean, I, I don't want to become sort of some terrible Russian conspiracy <laughs> theorist, but uh, pretty much all the controversial yeah. decisions that, that I saw mm-hmm. or were pointed out to me by other people did involve Russians getting yep. the, uh, the best of things from yes. a referee point of yeah, view. Um, and, and like I say, referees make mistakes. Um, but these these weren't ones that were were no. collected no, exactly. corrected by the by the video review. So uh, Russia go through uh, USA beat Egypt, um, France edged out China, and um, Italy Italy put out the host Brazil. Yes. You hadn't used up the Romanian cases that actually qualified the team for the men's four, which, which was surprising. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so our semi-finals, Italy against France um, and Russia against the USA. Um, going into those, you would probably have said uh, that Italy and USA were, were the favourites to win them, mm-hmm. and in the end, neither of them did. Um, France absolutely battered Italy, uh, 45-30. Yes. Um, a really, really one-sided uh, match, um, which was a, a big surprise. Uh, Italy, world champions, defending Olympic champions, you think of Italian men's foil... Yeah, the, the dominant force. Um, and not just that, but France have been really struggling recently. Uh, they've not been firing at all, not for, at all. Yeah, they've had a fairly unsettled team. Yeah, um, the, the only sort of real constant in the men's foil team over the Olympic cycle um, has been Erwin Lapeshu. Yes, um, and, they've, and they've had various other people, you know, coming in and trying to trying to find a, mm-hmm. a stable and successful team. Uh, at times they've looked pretty good, other times pretty pretty ropey. Yeah, uh, but they abs- absolutely got it right against Italy and, and gave mm-hmm. them, as I say, an absolute thrashing. Um, in the other semi-final, uh, Russia beat USA, mm-hmm, uh, right. a closer match, 45-41. Um, uh, Russia deserved to win. Um, uh, Chirimisinov, who was, who was world champion in 2014, but has hardly been able to, to buy a win since then. Mm-hmm. That may be an unfortunate turn of phrase, but um, uh, suddenly seemed to remember how to fence yeah. and uh, led, a, led the Russian team to yeah, a, a pretty good win, 45-41. It's pretty close, yeah. but uh, yeah. Russia, Russia were well worth the win, I would say, mm-hmm. that one. Um, in the in the bronze medal match, um, Italy uh, were again done over by by the USA. Um, a pretty comfortable win. The, the kind of short part of that was it was uh, Italy were were slightly ahead, and then in the middle of the match, I think it was the fifth fight, perhaps fifth or sixth fight. Um, Andrea Baldini, you know, long term superstar of men's foil and of the Italian team, got an absolute thrashing of Derek Meinhardt. Mm. It was a, an eight 0 thrashing. 
Uh, and we all love Baldini too. We all love Baldini. We, yeah, you know, this, such a quality act. It just went absolutely horribly wrong from uh, my heart. Uh, took him to the cleaners, which um, entirely turned the match around, and, and USA finished it off. Oh well, never mind. To take the bronze. So yeah, it'll go from uh, world champions uh, and Olympic champions to um, to fourth place in the Olympics, oh. which would be pretty disappointing. Mm-hmm. Um, so on to the final, uh, Russia against France. Uh, France got off to a great start. Uh, Lopeshi was leading his team from the front, um, well, and they had a had a big lead. Uh, I think it was a probably an eight hit lead, um, and then Kado had a bit of a horror um, against Cheremisinov. I think he lost eight five or something. So it was down to a five hit lead, uh, and then the French subbed Kado off um, and put on Jean Paul Tony Hilisi for the I think it was the third last fight. Oh yes, that's right. Yeah. Um, against Arthur Akhmatuzin, and Akhmatuzin took him to the cleaners to turn a, a five hit deficit into into a I think it was a three hit lead. Uh, she must have been second last fight. I it was a bit of a surprising swap, if I'm honest. Yeah, I mean, Cadwell hadn't had a had a great fight against Cherny enough, but mm. I mean, three loss is not it's not absolutely disastrous. No, um, and obviously Tony Halisa hadn't hadn't fenced any individually; he was reserve, hadn't fenced any any of the team matches, um, and pitching him into to hold on to a five hit lead um, seemed a really big gamble. I mean, I I don't know whether uh, whether the French coach had decided that Cadwell had tracked him slightly to ship a load more hits in in his final fight. Mm-hmm. Um, or whether it was a sort of sympathy substitution that he thought, well, we'll be able to hold on to, hold on to a five-hit lead. Uh, we'd better get Jean-Paul in here, otherwise he's going to get no Olympic medal at all. But it's one that just went horribly, horribly wrong. Yeah. Um, and uh, so going into the last fight, uh, instead of you know having built up a comfortable lead for his team, Lepeshi goes on a couple of hits down against Jeremy Sinoff. Yeah. Jeremy Sinoff finishes really well, uh, yeah. will defend a, defend a lead um, mm-hmm. really smartly. Yeah. Uh, and in the end, um, even the material Lepeshi couldn't, couldn't bring it back. I mean, you, you're, the, you're the national coach. Do you honestly feel sympathetic to the fourth man in your team to the extent you're going to put him on like that? And risk losing it? I don't know. But as I say, um, taking Caddo off for a, a, an 8 5 loss to mm-hmm. bring on somebody who's uh, less experienced, hasn't fenced at the Olympics no. um, before, hasn't fenced at that Olympics no. an individual no. to, to pitch him in. Uh, to try and uh, hold on to a five-hit lead team it, uh, it was just such a massive I mean, just, Yeah, I mean, just before we move on, I mean, we had that a similar discussion with Marcus when Marcus came on the team because mm. uh, if people aren't aware of this, once you're on in a team event, you're on. I mean, he, that would have been, if, if Britain had won, Marcus would have to have been in the team from that point onwards. Yeah. Um, so it was it was a throw of the dice and I, I think Marcus fenced really well, in fact. And I've got a lot, you know, he is a, he is a quality fencer, so I'm not saying that he's not, but... There was a there was a moment we were all thinking the same thing where you know why would you put Marcus on at this point um, and obviously the coach decided they've got nothing else to lose we will throw in our, our fourth man see what we can do here no wonder if the French guy thought the same I just I don't know if you, if, you, if you're leading though yeah, I just want to understand why the situation yeah, yeah. With the um, with the British Russia match uh, when Marcus was sub, subbed on and um, Britain were behind um, yeah. and he was subbed on for for Richard Cruz yeah. who hadn't had a great match exactly so you may as well throw the dice see what happens yeah. you just may as well give it a blast. You know? So anyway, the mystery of the, the French substitution, the men's foil file. Um, Who knows? Yeah. Um, so yeah, so that was the men's foil. Um, next up, uh, the what do we have? Oh yeah, sorry, women's saber teams. Yes. Um, so in the quarterfinals, uh, Russia disposed of Mexico, uh, USA, Egypt, Poland, um, Italy beat France, and uh, Ukraine beat Korea. So our semi-finals, uh, Russia, USA. Uh, and Italy Ukraine. Uh, both quite close matches, um, probably with the expected outcomes though. Um, 
Russia and Ukraine are the top two teams, yep. top two teams in the world ranking. Yep. Um, and uh, both both matches forty five forty two, uh, with the, the Russians and the Ukrainians uh, winning through to the final. Um, USA uh, beat Italy for the bronze. Um, for for the women's saber, um, for the Americans, um, do want to sort of give a mention to uh, Mariel Spinis, mm-hmm. um, double Olympic champion, yep. um, silver medalist in London. Uh, didn't have such a great time in the, the individual this time. No. She went at the last sixteen, um, but she did absolutely carry her team uh, to to the bronze medal. Um, and while you might think somebody with a, such an extended success uh, at at the very highest level of women's sabre, that she must be absolutely ancient. She's actually not even 30 yet. No, I know, I know. Women's sabre is a very young sport, though, so it's not that surprising, I think. We were, someone like mine is going to be hanging around for a while. Um, and as you say, it's a very young, but it is a very young sport, so it's not, if you think about it, it's that surprising that she's young. Mm-hmm. You know? So it'd be, it'd be interesting. I mean, she's been overtaken the last the last few years by by the Russians and Olga Carlin. Mm-hmm. Um, so she's not the um, sort of consistent dominant figure that she was yeah. in, in women's sabre. But um, I, I was good to uh, I was glad to see her yeah. uh, getting a, getting another yet another medal Olympic, uh, Olympic medal out of uh, out of these games. And certainly the impression I've always had from the, in looking at this, you know, with the Americans that I know, looking in from outside at their their sort of sport, it was really to me always looked like it was women's sabre that really brought like fencing a wider audience in America. Yeah, I think that's right. Uh, they um, were they were early adopters when that's right. uh, women's sabre started, mm-hmm. um, and they've they've for a, certainly for a long time were were the dominant force in, in women's mm-hmm. sabre uh, with a, you know a succession of very young young fencers. Uh, getting in winning world championships, right, yeah. winning winning Olympic medals, mm-hmm. and and really stamping their authority on the sport. And uh, you're right, the sport's kind of grown up around them. Mm-hmm. Um, so that now uh, the USA isn't you know the surefire winners that they once were. No, but, which I think you know, it's a healthy thing. I think yeah, you know, they don't want one country to be uh, the, the the only option for for where the medals are coming from. Um, but yeah, I, th- I thought that was that was worth a mention. Yeah, to, to yeah. see her, her doing her stuff. Uh, in the end, the final was a pretty one sided. Um, Russia running out comfortable wins against Ukraine. And Ukraine are, are, are a strong team, but they're heavily reliant on Olga Karlan. It's by far their, their best performer. Yeah. Uh, and she really needs to produce something um, amazing every time she goes on the piece for them, mm-hmm. for them to have a chance of, sure. of beating the Russians. And in the end, the Russians have had too much depth right. um, to, to topple. So, uh, yeah, another Russian gold. Oh uh, so, last, last of the team events, uh, men's epi. Mm-hmm. Um, Brazil against again uh, put in a team and they lost to Venezuela in the incomplete last 16 which made our quarterfinals uh, France beating Venezuela um, Hungary edging at Korea uh, close one that one yeah it was yeah, it was very close it was yeah, a 45-42 mm-hmm. win there um, Italy-Switzerland uh, I thought that might have been a, quite a close and exciting match but no. Switzerland made an absolute mess at the start of it well, uh, uh, well our hero Max um, he's still injured so uh, he, he's definitely one of the one of their top guys, and if he's not firing firing on all you know, mm. all cylinders, okay. it's not going to be good for them. I don't think. Couto's good as well, and so Steph and not so. Yeah, so I'm not so sure that without without Heinz, they have a chance against Italy, though. If yeah. I'm honest. So yeah, a pretty comfortable win. Yeah, uh, and uh, Ukraine against Russia um, in the in the last quarterfinals. So our semi-finals: France, Hungary, um, and Italy against Ukraine. Um, Neither of the matches particularly close. No. Uh, France uh, had a, a fairly comfortable lead against Hungary mm-hmm. and held on without too much in the way of worry. Um, and Italy did the same again. Got got the lead yep. early yep. And, mm-hmm. uh, and took the win for 45-43. Uh, 
Uh, Hungary claimed the bronze again, a sort of familiar pattern in all the, all the men's deputy team matches that I saw, was if you got a lead uh, by the end of the, well, about the third fight, you won the match. Hmm. I'm not, I've got to say, one of the things I don't like is when you see teams going for non-combativity. If you are... No, it wasn't even going for non-combativity. Was it, was it not just, that? Because I missed just, this. It just so... enough of a, a pressure on the team that was losing to, to have to chase the fight even a little bit, even though there was only two or three hits in it, that uh, the team with the lead could then, could then control how mm-hmm. things went. Well, I suppose that's a really epic type thing. If you have to reveal your game, you're going to lose, you know? Yeah. So, um, anyway, on to the final. Um, a comfortable win. Uh, yeah, France were, that's right. were way too strong against Italy mm-hmm. and uh, ran out 45-31 uh, winners. Um, yeah. Italy never really got a foothold in the match. And, yeah. uh, uh, France duly wrapped it. Yes. Okay, so at the end of all the action, uh, we've got our uh, medals table for the, for the fencing. Yeah. Um, top of the pile were Russia with... Uh, Four golds, silver and two bronze, a total of seven medals. Um, second were Hungary, uh, two golds, mm-hmm. silver and a bronze. Uh, Italy in third with a yep. gold and three silvers. Uh, France fourth with a gold, a silver and a bronze. Korea fifth with a, a gold and a bronze. Uh, Romania sixth with uh, one gold. Uh, USA seventh with two silvers and two bronzes. Uh, China and Ukraine uh, both taking home uh, a silver and a bronze, and uh, Tunisia uh, needs to be back here picking up a bronze. Um, so, so, yeah, <laughs> so Russia I, top of the pile. Well, how do we feel about that? Well, there you are. Well, um, not not particularly great. Um, obviously, there's a, a lot of discussion, a lot of excitement, uh, if that's the right word, uh, in the run-up to the Games about whether Russia would be allowed to participate um, mm. at all in any sport. Um, obviously, they were already banned from. Uh, from track and field athletics, yep. uh, the McLaren report that was commissioned by the World Anti-Doping Agency yeah, pretty it? well came back and said um, it's systemic. Is, yeah. yeah, is central to the sort of culture of Russian sport. Yeah, exactly. um, now I, I don't particularly feel that uh, fencing uh, and Russian amongst that uh, has a, a huge doping problem. No, uh, you know, not not anything like what you have in in athletics, for example. No, exactly. Um, one of the one of the things that appeared in the um, McLaren report was the way that the Russian anti-doping authorities dealt with any positive testing. Basically, what happened was that any time you're doing out competition testing, it's usually done by your national anti-doping right. agency. So you take your test, uh, you know, turn up at your front door and say, you know, we want to both of your people to test it. And any time um, any Russian sports person uh, produced a positive result, um, rather than uh, declaring that result to the World Anti-Doping Agency, they would refer it to their, their own sports agency, yes. who would then decide whether that result uh, stood or was just made to disappear. Yes. Um, now, there was, I can't remember, a, a huge number in athletics. Oh, it's astonishing. Yeah, a couple of hundred. Yeah, exactly. Um, but one of the surprise things in that, uh, in the McLaren report, was that, that apparently there were four tests that were positive tests that were made to disappear. Uh, from fencer, and we still don't know uh, who those fencers were, or if it was one fencer or four, or, yeah, or somewhere in the middle. Team. We don't yeah. know. There's no detail at all, no. apart from four four tests mm-hmm. that were made to disappear. Um, is, it, is it fair for us to sort of sit here and talk about the Russian doping? You know, now that they're the finished top, obviously in fencing, we we're not sh- we don't think that there's a big doping problem in fencing, uh, and the facts of case should we be concerned still? Russia, or did we just shrug our shoulders and just say they were just the best on the days? He just one of those things. Um, mm. I don't know. It's, it is a very difficult topic, and I've, I've no 
Um, no, super smart. Yeah. Uh, I've, no, I've no particular dislike of, of Russian fencers. Mm-hmm. I think they're frequently quite grumpy and uh, <laughs> they do like a bit of time wasting. Um, certainly at these Olympics, they, they did seem to benefit from uh, a lot of favourable favorable refereeing decisions and video reviews. Mm. Um, I'm not particularly, again, blaming the fencers for that. But, but the feeling about Russian sport is that um, it's not it's not a clean and virtuous place. No, no. Um, so any sort of success for Russia in in any sport, uh, including including ours, yeah. does make me feel a bit uncomfortable. It is weird though because it, it does feel like we've gone back to the eighties. You know, where if you're watching a sports movie, it was always the Russians that were the baddies because they were just <laughs> up to hijinks. You know, it was always the same yeah, back in the eighties. You know. it's, the, it's the Iron Dragos and all of them. You know, trading in the big massive donuts and things like that and taking lots of drugs. But it just seems a shame that, that we're sitting here and we're talking about Russia, the Russians have came top of the table, but we were still not a hundred percent happy about that. You know, it just it just feels like oh, just it's kind of sour. I think mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, like I say, it's hard to know what to do other than feel a bit disgruntled, mm-hmm. um, which isn't you know, totally satisfactory. No, response. I understand that. Having said that, though, I, I'm quite happy with number two with Hungary. Yeah, a good, a good Olympics for Hungary. Mm-hmm. Um, the Hungarian. mean, H- Hungarians are you know, traditionally a, a, a fencing power, um, but in truth they're not really a very big country. They, they don't have nope. masses of resources. No, they don't. Um, but they, they do produce um, outstanding individuals. I mean, only one of their teams actually qualified. Yes, that's right. Uh, qualified a team for, for Rio. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're, they're top individuals. Uh, Chilagi, Sash... Mm-hmm. Um, they, they, they did in the day. I, I've got a Hungarian that I work beside, mm-hmm. and she was making that point that you know that they are a very small nation. They're not the, the, the richest nation on the planet either, and yet they were able to produce individuals who can who can actually do this. And obviously, fencing is one of their traditional sports. It's one of the things that we we associate with them in, in the Olympics. Yeah. Um, so I, I'm actually quite happy. I mean, I probably trained out in Hungary. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've spent a bit of time there as well. Yeah, and, and it's, and it's been with Hungarians. And the, yeah, yeah. It's, it's nice to see that happen for them again because um, I don't like. Two, it's not been that they've not been that great for about at least two cycles now. Uh, well, Slaggy, you know, returns well, Slaggy, yeah. is a little bit hurtful, but, but yeah, I mean, finishing second in, in mm-hmm. the middle's table, yeah, uh, is obviously a, a pretty good uh, yeah. weekend of its work for mm-hmm. for Hungary, one one that we're happy with. Yes, um, indeed. Italy in third. Um, I think I'm disappointed. They probably would be one one gold, um, three silvers, um, but they would probably have hoped to have produced more medals. I think so. And do you not know, get the feeling that there's maybe a changing of the guard happening in Italy? That the you know, the Italian all stars, the guys that used to win everything, are they've, they've reached a point now where they're being they're moving on, and and they're well, and they're, they're, you know the the younger guys aren't quite at that kind of level yet. Yeah, well, one of the, I mean one of the surprises there that we mentioned um, when we were talking about the individual events was um, Garozzo winning the men's foil, uh, mm-hmm. which I think fairly fairly described as a, a surprise win. Um, I, I think it'll be interesting now to see how. How he gets on with the next four Indeed. years as yeah. he's, he's thrust into being the, the star of the Italian team, mm-hmm. um, having probably come into the, the Olympics as one of their, their less celebrated fencers. Um, had a bit of a disaster. Casara mm-hmm. as well. You'd have thought Casara should have finished a little bit higher. Yeah, well, Casara's funny one because he's been such a dominant figure in men's foil for such a long time. But this season, he's actually been pretty ordinary. He came into the Olympics ranked uh, for him a sort of disastrously low twenty third or something. In the world rankings, mm-hmm. um, and it, it may be now that he's thirty-three. Uh, it's just, it's just it's, too much for him. Just you know, yeah. perhaps this is the, the beginning of the end. Who knows? Uh-huh. It's, uh, but certainly, the last twelve months have not been a great time for yeah. him. 
And I've got to say that Baldini must be on his way right now. He's just not not the fencer he was. I, I, I think that. I, think, I love Baldini. I mean, he's just such a, a joy to watch, but I just don't think he's quite the... Not quite, the man he used to be. Not the man he used to be. Yeah, no. maybe not. No. no. Um, France in fourth place on the table uh, with a, a gold, a silver and a bronze. Um, France were probably not not totally overjoyed with that, but it was... Well, it's three medals more than they got in London yeah. where they won nothing whatsoever. Uh, but, you know, the expected... Yeah, perhaps the expected men's epi team... I think so, yeah. And I think they would have expected to get more than just the bronze and the individual as well. Yeah. I think... I, I think I've got to say, uh, uh, Grimmie looked happy to have got his bronze. And his coach was ecstatic that they got... They at least got a medal out of that. I mean, the Aubrey's kind of... It's huge... The Aubrey, you know, he's... Uh, <laughs> You know, a legend in the sport, and I don't think anybody ever says anything bad about the guy. He was just over the moon to see uh, his fencer get a medal there, mm-hmm. and it was certainly that was another highlight for me. Actually, was seeing that more. Yeah, that, it yeah. was the, the joy, the joy of getting the medal was, uh, I think, something, something that something I could watch again. If you mm-hmm. know what I mean, yeah. really lovely. Um, Korea taking a, a gold and a bronze with um, with Park winning the men's yeah. epi. Um, again, that would be a considered a surprise result, and a bit of a bonus. So overall, Korea would. Probably be you know if you take that out that they had they didn't have a great games. No, uh, no. Certainly the men's suburbs, well the men's uh, suburbs took took the other bronze medal, mm-hmm. um, but they would perhaps be a bit disappointed that uh, but still they, they didn't they didn't get more. Uh, the gold medal for a men's epi, I mean men's epi you get these sorts of things all the time anyway, but it does a lot. You know the, the Koreans are always good, but it had, does feel like it came from nowhere again. He's very young, mm. you know and. Obviously, it was an astonishing final. Uh, yeah, no, no, I, I, I don't know how the Koreans would feel about it. They didn't manage to qualify a team in the, in the men's foil. Which, no, they didn't. Which they must be disappointed in. Yeah. Uh, but there you go. You know, this is, this is, is what it is. Uh, Romania with, uh, with a gold in the women's epi team. That's um, what they do. Yeah. Uh, I mean, they have a, a decent men's sabre team. Mm-hmm. Nothing very much in... In the, any of the other weapons. Yeah. No sort of real live medal contenders, no, I would say. No, not at all. Um, so that's probably about the best that we could have hoped for. Um, USA, no, no goals for the USA. Um, <sighs> I, I, I'd, need, I'd need to think about that. I'd, yeah, but four medals, two, two silvers and two bronzes. When um, was the last time America got that many medals in, in fencing? Um, I'm, I'm not sure, to be honest. I don't think they ever have. I personally don't think they ever have. Right. I think this is a, a really good result for them. But even so, I am certain that they are disappointed and get at least one gold yeah. this time around. And to be honest with you, in the, in the men's fall, you kind of would have expect, almost expect them to be up there and, well, they've got silver, you know, so. <laughs> yeah. No, so I think, I think if, I was, if I was in Team USA, I would take a lot of heart from this. I think it's, it's actually a very good result for them, I think. And it's certainly one that I would be happy to take forward into, you know, into the next Olympics. Yeah. Okay. Which brings us on to China. China, yeah, a bit disappointing. A, a silver and a bronze. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm pretty certain that's less than the one in London, certainly less than the one in, uh, in Beijing. Yep. Um, China as a nation, uh, as a fencing nation anyway, perhaps in decline. You think? Uh, it's maybe a little early to say. It seems odd, though, that they would... They, I mean, obviously in Beijing they were they were tremendous, but they were, they've always been they've been good, you know. They've, they've always been there. Um, no, that's not really true. I mean, certainly for uh, London and Beijing, yeah, strong nation. Mm-hmm. Before that, I mean, they they did plow a lot of uh, a lot of money into their fencing program um, once they 
once they've got the Olympics. Uh, and they'd always, or not always, but for a long time leading up to that, they'd been pretty much, you know, a pretty, fairly minor, minor player. Some good fencers. Yeah. Um, but we kind of got used to the idea that uh, China are a big fencing nation. Another not mm, so interesting. Now, uh, so now with two medals, no, no golds. Yeah, I, I do perhaps feel that as they move further away from their their home Olympics, they're not such a trip to all. But there's so many people who, I mean, China is a massive nation. There's so many people fencing. They've got to be able to produce champions from nothing, essentially. <laughs> uh, you know, there's just so many people that just by all, by the sheer percentages, they must be able to produce a champion, I think. Um, I get the feeling of it, uh, not just in fencing, but in a lot of other sports, the emphasis in, in China, certainly what I understand is that there's uh, much more emphasis now on participation rather than excellence. So that's a, a right. sort of cultural move that, that affects a lot of sports, that they want, you know, rather than picking up tons and tons of medals, and that's their sole, sole focus. Mm-hmm. They're now looking at getting more everyday people getting involved in sport. You hear the rumours about how many people are actually involved. I just can't believe that they, they can't just turn up, you know, produce. I wish we had their problem. Let's put it that way. <laughs> I wish we had their problem of, you know, two million fences or whatever it is. I wish we had that problem. Yeah. Yes, it must be terrible. Yeah. You know, don't get me wrong. I'm not, uh, I'm not shedding too many tears, but I think yeah. it's a, a, an interesting trend for mm-hmm. uh, the, the Chinese results. Um, uh, Ukraine with a silver and a bronze, Ukraine a strong a strong fencing nation despite despite all the difficulties in their, yeah. their country at the moment, uh, would probably be reasonably satisfied. I think so. I, I think there are other ways distracted right now, I think. Yeah. Yeah, bigger things to think about. Uh, and and a bronze for Tunisia. Yeah, well who who would have predicted that? You know? Yeah. Well I mean form is uh, going forward closely, you you wouldn't have totally ruled it out. Well yeah, true, so, but, yeah. so. A good day. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's probably enough of us prattling on about the Olympics. <laughs> yeah. um, so rather than us saying any more about it, um, what I did do a couple of days ago uh, was had a chat with one of the, the British uh, Olympic team, uh, James Davis. Oh, right, uh, yes. Charming delightful as always. Uh, was more than happy to more or less step off the plane uh, back to London from Rio and talk to me um, about how the games went. Yes. Uh, so by the ones of Skype, I've got uh, got with me. Uh, James Davis, um, British men's foil uh, Olympian. Um, so, James, my, my first question for you. Um, I've known you for quite a while, and I've always called you James. But I've noticed in the last couple of years, uh, in FIE commentary and uh, various places, that you're quite often referred to as James Andrew. Now, I just wanted to check that I've not been offending you all this time by calling you the wrong name. So, James or James Andrew? It's actually, it's James. Uh, my official name, of course, is, is James Andrew, and it changed in 2012 um, when I was filling in the forms for London. They had all the official yeah, official name and everything, so I put in my official name, James Andrew, and then all of a sudden, uh, the FIE had changed it, and it had all been changed, but I've always been known as James, so everyone calls me by James. Uh, except for my French teacher when I was in trouble. Uh, it was James Andrew. <laughs> ah, I see. So if you hear James Andrew outside a fencing concept, you know, you, you know you've done something terrible. Exactly. Cool. Okay, well, I'm glad I've got that right all these years. It's a, it's yeah. a great relief. <laughs> um, so obviously you're just pretty much off the plane uh, back from Rio, uh, home in London. Um, I know the results in, in Rio weren't what you were hoping for, Um Tenth in individual and, and the team finishing sixth. So I'm, I'm not going to, I'm not going to plead you with that. Um, but I will ask you what your, what your impression was of, uh, of the games in Rio compared, compared to the ones you were at in London. Uh, I think um, I was 
quite smart in a way of going into going into Rio with different expectations. I, I tried not to compare them to London. Uh, I think one of the biggest things is, you know, regardless of where where it would have been, even if it wasn't London, if it was if it's your home games, uh, it's very special to you. And that was, of course, what was going on for me. You know, London was my home games. I was living in East London for a couple of years, so I was seeing it being built. You know, it was right there. Uh, you know, it meant a lot to me. Going to Rio was my first time to South America, so I took a different um, expectation of it, and I think I was I was, I was right to do that, um, and it prepared myself. I prepared myself well. Um, I could really the, the closest I can go off is, is going to Cuba, and I I felt the same sort of that kind of Latin feel uh, in a way, and it was it was fantastic. You know, I loved it. I think they did a great job with with what they, the time that they had. Um, you know, in terms of the British setup, it was fantastic. We had a lot of support. They'd obviously gone in well, well in advance and made sure everything was working. You know, we didn't have any of these issues that the Australians had or the Chinese had. Our stuff worked from day one till the end. So, you know, for me, uh, all the equipment, everything worked. You know, the people were friendly. You know, after the tournament, we were down in, uh, down at Copacabana a lot of the time. You know, so I felt safe there. I had a great time. The people were friendly. So, honestly, you know, I'll, I'll come back, you know, second Olympics and say, you know, both have been fantastic for different for different reasons. Um, the both London, you know, is more heartfelt, but this was more, you know, it's my first away games, and it was a, a great experience. Yeah, brilliant. No, I'm glad you enjoyed it because I mean, obviously, in the run up to the the games, and like you mentioned, the Australians uh, having a few yeah. problems with their accommodation. Uh, you know, there's a slight worry here that well, it's everything going to be okay for our guys. Uh, so I'm, no, I'm glad to hear uh, that that it was it was all good. Um, yeah, it was fantastic. I tell you, like I remember, because I, I actually flew in beforehand. I was in about three days before uh, the British lads met up with me, and it was quite interesting. You know, I was training with the Americans there, so I was staying in the village for a few days, and I would see the Team GB lot, the staff, bringing the bags in at like ten o'clock at night. Every single bag, you know, like you'd have big like, women's hockey team coming, and they had to just keep going back and forth, and you know. They worked their ass off to make sure that that was a, a you know a very well run games for us. So it's not just that the, the Rio staff run it well; it was the Team GB staff. They were what made the games for the British uh, run so smoothly. Brilliant. Um, so after after the fencing was was over and done with, um, also fencing was one of the one of the first sports in action. So you yeah. had quite a bit of time. Uh, uh, in the village and, and around the games afterwards. So, um, so, so what did you do? <laughs> well, we were all quite down. I think um, you know it wasn't the result we'd hoped. So we we definitely made up for it. Uh, we spent most of our time, you know, just partying. It became uh, we all became no- uh, nocturnal <laughs> and um, pretty much were out most nights, just enjoying ourselves. Um, you know, enjoying Brazil. I spent most of my time, I think, down at Copacabana, right. uh, which was which was a lot of fun. You know, some street street parties down there, which was cool. Um, I went with with uh, Greg Macias and Alexander, um, my my coach in America, one of my coaches in America, and of course the silver medalist. So we went to see uh, Christ the Redeemer. Unfortunately, it was a very <laughs> very foggy day. I did see your your Instagram photo of that. Um, yeah. Probably not the best day for it, but yeah, uh, it was more like being back in San Francisco, right? To be honest, um, <laughs> with all the fog that was there, so all we could see was the big man's feet and um, <laughs> nothing else. And then we went over to Sugarloaf, uh, which was beautiful. Sugarloaf Mountain was was really nice. Uh, um, we actually stayed till sunset, so it was really really cool. Uh, definitely recommend that. And then the rest of the time, you know, the village is quite cool. We got to look around, do some bits in there. 
Um, but really, you know, most of it was, I'll be honest, was we, we just partied. We had some fun. Uh, myself and Marcus ended up in the same nightclub as Bolt, which was pretty cool. <laughs> um, you know, so I've got some, some fond memories of the place. Honestly, like Rio, I, I know there was a lot uh, being sent home, um, you know, about the security issues and how unsafe it was. But, you know, I've come back here, you know, I've got everything. Um, nothing was stolen. You know, I had I had a fantastic time. You know, you, you're, you're in a major city at the end of the day with a major event going on there. And you have to you have to think a little bit a little bit better more than you would normally you know it's like if you're in london and there was a major event then you're going to get people that are pickpocketing things like that so you've got to be wise not walking down the street with your phone out and those are the kind of things i did and then i enjoyed my time and i had a, a wonderful time and would definitely go back brilliant um did you, did you get the chance to, to see any other sports you know you're there in the biggest multi-sport oh, event yeah. in the world saw plenty of sports i saw uh Lots of boxing. Got to see some of the British guys fight. Um, got to see um, the weightlifting. Weightlifting is one of my new sports I didn't get to see in London. So that was really impressive, actually. Got to see a brand new world record, um, which was quite cool. Uh, Synchronised swimming. That was one of my, my favourite sports from London. So I was back to see that again. You know, incredible sport, the amount they work. And when you see the, the underwater camera, how hard they're working. It's like a swan, isn't it? You know, beautiful on top and then you know, kicking away non-stop underneath. Um, I think the best event for me, the best day, was, it was fantastic. We went to see the women's hockey team beat the US in the in the group stages. Uh, myself, I was with uh, Richard and Lawrence, and we got chatting with Sebastian Coe's wife, and she took us to go and see the athletics that evening. So we got to see, it started with, I think, it was um, Greg Rutherford took bronze, then it was followed up by Jessica Ennis getting silver. And then we got to sing our national anthem for Mo Farah taking gold there. So that was a very special moment for me, you know, to be able to uh, share in that with my teammates and with the other British guys that were there. Um, it was fantastic to see Mo, you know, uh, cross the line in gold medal place. So that was that was really, really cool. Um, the only time I've ever got to sing the anthem at the Olympic Games, to be honest. So um, very, very happy to be part of that. Yeah, well, hopefully you get the chance again before too so. long. Um, yeah, I hope so. So, uh, obviously, the Rio was the climax of a, a four-year Olympic cycle. Um, yeah. After your after your first games in London, um, and there, you know, there's a lot happened in that time uh, for you and in your fencing. Um, moved to San Francisco. Yeah. Won one World Cups, become European champion, helped the British team qualify for Rio. Um, Moving to San Francisco, obviously a, a, a big step. Um, I, I just want, wanted to know um, what, what prompted you to make that decision. So at the time, I was, uh, it, was, it was 2013, it was November 2013 when I moved. It was, uh, I think it was on the Remembrance Day that I left. And um, basically, I'd finished that season. I was top 16 in the world. I'd just won St. Petersburg Grand Prix. That was my first, my first win. Um, and I felt like, I've done great, you know, it's fantastic. I was, I don't know, maybe like 9th, 10th or 11th, something like that in the top 16. So it was really, really good. Uh, I finished that World uh, World Championships last 32. And I thought that if I, if I really want to keep pushing myself, you know, I, I need to move on. Like, I, I could stay, I think, I felt I could stay in the UK and probably maintain top 16 in the world. It was definitely doable. Um but that wasn't what I want. I, you know, I want to be a champion. I want to be up there, world number one. I want to be keep pushing myself. 
So I felt I needed to take a, the next step. And for me, looking around, the next step really was to move abroad, to train with the guys that are, you know, consistently up there, you know, some of the best in the world. Um, we looked at various places. We were looking, at one point, we were looking at China um, to train at one of the clubs there. We were looking at New York to train at maybe some of the clubs there. And uh, Jemma, at the time, was speaking with, with Greg to see what could work. So San Francisco popped up. And Greg basically... He, he told me how it would work, how things would go. And, of course, they had Garrick and they had Alexander, top 16 at the time. And I just, I had a little bit of a, um, basically, friendship with them. I knew them a little bit, not not too well, but I knew of the guys. I knew what they were doing. Um, they worked hard. So, for me, it seemed like the right fit. Um, and we gave, it, we gave it a trial for two months to see. So, up until January, I think the first tournament was uh, Paris. And it was it wasn't great if I remember. I think it might it might actually it might have been an it might have been an eight. I can't remember actually. It might have gone better than I thought. And then, yeah, I think it was an eight and then it was like sixty four, sixty four, sixty four, <laughs> something bad. Um so it was it, it was a hard start, but um, you know, I stuck with it and I, basically as soon as I went there I fell in love with the place. Um, you know, I realised I was I was in full con- full control of my, my programme, which I think was is definitely a bonus. For me, when you're living so far abroad, you've got to have full control of things. And, you know, that way, it's on my shoulders. If it goes wrong, um, I'm in charge. And I prefer that. Um, it, for me, it's easier. Not for everybody, but for me, I like to be in charge of everything that I do. Um, that way, the, you know, there's no one to blame then. You know, it's either me or, or it's not. So, uh, I was happy and it's, it's worked for me. You know, next three years on, I'm the first ever European champion. For Great Britain, I've uh, been consistently top sixteen all, all, all three years. Um, I've of course made my second Olympic Games, and we qualified a team as well, which is the first time ever in in British history. So you know, it's for me, it's been a great move. I'll look back at it and say it, it was a success. Um, it didn't end how I wanted, but you know, we move on for another four years, and we'll go again. Okay, um, so so could you describe for us what your your training um, with the M team is like? You know, it's a like a sort of standard week, no, no competition at the end of a, a you know, what's you wake up Monday morning. What, what have you got to look forward to? Look forward to? Um, for me, a, a lot of it, uh, you know, I think the biggest thing I've added in is definitely the the biking. You know, bike rides. I love the bike rides. So you know, for a standard standard week, it, it's varied a lot over the uh, over the last few years. Uh, when I first went, it was six days a week. It was two sessions a day. I trained down at Stanford, and then I'd drive back up. Uh, to the club so I was training with Alexander at Stanford and I'd come back up and train in the club in the evenings I was doing that quite a lot uh, by the second year I was I was adding in a lot more strength and conditioning work um, so I'd sort of moved that to one side for the year while I, while I settled down in America um, then I started to cut back to about five days a week which is what I'm still doing now and doing about I was doing about two sessions a week in the gym this year it's been my most consistent year um in terms of results, I've, I've been doing three days a week in the gym. Uh, that's uh, just the weight training. Um, five days a week uh, fencing, which we, we're, of course, we're a club-based system, so we're training in the evenings for about two hours a day. Um, but that includes, you know, not including my lesson on top of that, uh, extra footwork when I come to the club earlier. And then we would, uh, I used to ride to the club back and forth every day. Um, it was only around, uh, around three miles in total. Uh, sorry, four miles. It was four miles in total. Two miles there, two miles back. But um, it's San Francisco, so you know everything's a hill. <laughs> yeah. um, so that was always that. That honestly, that was the best thing. I think that was the cardio. 
um, which made a big, big difference. You know, I was much, much fitter than I'd ever been before. And um, then I would try probably once a month go for a big bike ride with one of my coaches, Dean, who actually came out to Brazil with me to, to give me my lessons. And we'd go for around a 20-mile ride on the coast or on one of the roads, um, which was always nice. So we try and do that once a month. I think this year uh, I'm definitely taking a little break off. Um, I want to do a little bit of rock climbing. To, uh, never, I've done it once before, so I want to, I want to actually get much better than that and have some fun doing that. I reckon I'll probably at, at the start take it easy, you know, maybe four four sessions a week. Um, keep the gym up, and I'm gonna keep fit and get on the bike a lot more. Where we live in now is about, I'd say, about ten minutes from the beach. So you know, I'm gonna be <laughs> ride down to the beach, lock the bike up because San Francisco, you know, you don't lock it up, it's gonna disappear. And then um, and then probably go for a little jog on the on the beach. So. We'll, you know, it's a good life. I can't complain. Yeah. So I, I take it you've no complaints about living in San Francisco then. It's uh, <laughs> yeah. not, not a bad place uh, to be. It is a very cool place, you know. It, it's it's great while you're young. I'm, I'm um, enjoying it. It's great while you're old, to be honest. Everyone <laughs> seems to be having a good time. Um, no, I, I really love my time there. The people are really friendly. Um, not really a bad thing I could say about it, you know. I've just got to work, work hard now, get back into stride, you know, in a couple of months and, and really push on for the start of the new season. Um, when when you moved to um, San Francisco, obviously you said you, you did a, a couple of months trial to see how it worked for you. Um, it means now that the the teams fairly sp- spread around the globe with yeah. uh, with you in San Francisco and Richard and Marcus uh, based in London and, and Lawrence in in Copenhagen. Um, yeah. uh, how does that work? Uh, it's quite funny actually. Like I think. I was I was quite nervous when I first moved. Like, like how's this going to work? It's it's odd. Not in terms of just uh, honestly more about myself. Like how will it work? It was actually Richard at the time who was like, look, he's very supportive. You know, because of course he's been my teammate for years. We're the same same club for many years as, as we're kids. And he was the one that was like, look, James, you've got to do what what's right for you. You know, this is he thought it was a fantastic move for my age. Um, definitely something I think he would have he would have done as well um, if he was in my circumstances. He felt it was it it was right, it would be good for me. He thought it was a fantastic opportunity. And he was he was very supportive, you know. So I had one of my, my teammates very much uh, behind me. With it at the time uh, Lawrence wasn't in the team. Uh, he'd he'd retired um, before of course he came back subsequently for London, uh, for Rio. And of course Marcus, you know, a good friend of mine, no issue at all, you know. So we all got on very well. The three of us always got on. Um, so there was never an issue with my teammates. You know, uh, all the support staff were behind it. And we, we looked at how this would work. Um, and you just, it's one of those things you just have to play it by ear. You have to see how it's going to go. Um, and that really was the trial and see how I fit back in. But, you know, I didn't come back with an American accent, so I think we were happy. Um, you know, we, we did our homework. And I think when Lawrence came back in, that was the, that was the final piece of the jigsaw. You know, we... We came in and the three of us, uh, myself, Lawrence and, and Marcus, worked together with the psychologist and we did a lot of group work to really make this work. You know, and we, we gave everything um, in the in the run-up, basically, to, to qualification and, and continued that into Rio. Um, and, you know, it, it just it seemed to gel. Lawrence was then in Copenhagen. I was out in, in San Francisco and the two boys in, in London. Um, we came together. You wouldn't know that we'd been apart for a long time in there. Uh, I can say, like, the, the Italians come together, I think, once a month to train together. The Americans, having been with them, they get together no more than twice a year. And one of those, I'm always at their training camp yearly to train with. Uh, 
if you've got a good set of guys, it works. You know, if you've got a lot of egos, it can be difficult to to make it work. But you know, all of us were we understood why we were there. We, we all wanted the same thing. Unfortunately, it, it didn't pan out. Uh, we came very, very close, but um, you know, we can be very proud of what we achieved uh, to qualify the team, and we gave it our all on the day. Um, you know, so it was fantastic. It was for me, it was a pleasure working with the guys and for us to get so close. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it's been a amazing watching the watching the team develop and work and, and progress over the last four years. Um, yeah, uh, you know, I've been I've been lucky enough uh, last season to. You know, I went out to Paris and and, yeah, and course, Bond to watch, and it was, um, uh, that was awesome. It was the first time I'd been to, to any one of these these things for for a while, um, yeah. and and you, you could really feel the, the sort of energy from the team and how how close you were. So um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, th- I think uh, what you say is, is totally reflected in, in in how it looks from the outside as well. It's uh, it's been a fantastic team. Um, it has been. It really has. And I think uh, I remember like both Rick and Laws. Of course, they've been in the team the longest. We're both saying in the ten years there, this is the strongest team that they've ever worked with. Um, both of them said, you know, it's, it's a pleasure working with us as well. You know, we we really we really did gel well. Um, it would be lovely if we had if we had uh, the team in for twenty twenty, but probably very unlikely. Uh, of course, Laws is now retiring as well, so I think we've probably seen the best team we'll have for a very long time in Britain. Um, but you never know. You never know what's going to pop up. Uh, who's going to step up to the plate? I hope I hope we can we can get some new youngsters. Uh, maybe it'll be maybe it'll be Keith's little boy who will be in the team. Um, who knows? <laughs> maybe they've, they've, got, they've got plans for you. Certainly, um, uh, Jamie Keith's Keith's yeah, youngest yeah. and uh, and uh, my own son are already eyeing your places in the team. So, um, <laughs> well, how old how old is Jamie? Uh, Eleven. Eleven. Okay, so it's a little bit more. I'm, oh, I think there's about eight years between me and Richard. So it's a little bit. <laughs> A little bit more between me and Jamie, but you never know. Yeah, you've got a bit of breathing space. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, as I say, it's been an amazing four years. Um, I wondered if you could pick out of you know the World Cup wins and winning Europeans and qualifying for you. What's the highlight been for you? Um, the highlight would definitely be the European Championships for sure. Um, I think a close second, of course, would be going to Rio with these boys but I think uh, you know it's pipped by taking that first championship one first championship for me and two you know first championship for my country um, you know not many people will ever get that opportunity to say you know I brought it back for my country you know as number one and that for me was a very special moment um, you know it meant a lot to Jemak at the time as well um, so you know I, I worked very hard that season and I think I was coming off the back of 64s there as well and it was it was all going bad and then eventually it just clicked, you know. It took a long time, a lot of work, um, learning the new system, you know, and then for it to click in at the right time. Really, I've been quite consistent throughout from there. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it, it meant a great deal. But like I said, you know, I think uh, had we won a medal this, <laughs> you know, Rio, uh, Rio would definitely have been topping that. Um, and it has been fantastic working with the boys, but, you know, being picked by that that Euros title. That seems fair enough. <laughs> um, so Olympics are over, um, and start of a start of a new cycle. Um, yeah. So w- what next? What next for you? Um, is it back to San Francisco and and push on towards um, the Tokyo Olympics in twenty twenty? Not quite. It, it will be that. That's the, the venture outcome. But 
for now, I don't want to think about fencing. Um, I want a real break from Rio, you know, I've got to get my head around what's happened and everything. Um, you know, that's coming so close and, and not, not going home with that medal. Um, so I'm going to take a little time off. Um, I'm actually going on a road trip with one of my friends. We're flying to Seattle, going to go up to Vancouver and then come down the coast and then fly to Vegas. So it's going to be three weeks on the road in America, which should be pretty cool. Um, sure there'll be plenty of Facebook posts and pictures all about it look forward to those um, and then I think uh, then I'll be working hard I'll be back in San Francisco um, you know for me I, I love fencing I'm pretty down right now but you know this is my life this is what I, I love doing so I will be back I, you know I want to be back much stronger than I was this season I was consistent this year but frankly not good enough so uh, I want to come back stronger and you know I want to be one that can dominate so you know, I've, I've got to see what it is that was went wrong. Try to make all the changes, and and then it's another four years, another four year slog um, to make Tokyo, and then we work on that gold medal. James, thanks very much for uh, taking the time out to to speak to me today. Um, I appreciate uh, that. The first thing you thought you would be uh, on your to-do list when you go back from Rio <laughs> was uh, having a chat with me. But uh, so I really appreciate you taking the time to no do that. Problem, um, wish you every success uh, in the coming seasons and I, I look forward to seeing plenty more wins and uh, uh, big successes out there for you. Lovely. Thank you very much. Thanks, James. Well, I thought that was, uh, that was quite a good interview, actually. Uh, James has actually got a lot to say for himself and uh, it was actually, I was a bit disappointed I couldn't make it uh, for the actual call when you were speaking to him. So, yeah, good. It's yeah, good he's, he's really, I mean, he's intelligent, thoughtful, mm-hmm. comes across really well yeah. and... Uh, I, I really like how focused he is on yeah. or, or moving on from you and on what's happened and, and progressing yes. from there. Yeah, um, and it's good. It's good to hear that he, he didn't. Sound, I mean, he obviously mentioned that he was disappointed, but he didn't sound downbeat about it. No, it's, uh, he, he does seem to see it as a as a learning experience. Yeah. It's not. Oh, that's that's rubbish, and that's which the is, end. Which is the right way to approach it, really. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I'm, I'm I'm not going to lie. I'm a bit jealous about how uh, how great San Francisco sounds. Uh, yeah, it certainly sounds like there are, are far, far worse places to yeah. uh, to spend your time. So our, our last little piece, so End of the Olympics, yes. the you know the greatest show on earth, yep. um, all the all the finest fencers in the world there. Um, we've looked at who's won medals, who's who's starred, who's yeah. had disasters, um, but I think really what we're interested in now is actually who who currently is the coolest fencer on the planet. Yes. Well, we've we've had a bit of a chat about this we beforehand. Have. We have had a chat, and we've um, we, we've agreed with a, a short list, a yeah. short list of who who are the coolest fencers on yes. the planet. Now, uh, clearly, you and I, I are perfect people to be the arbiters of what's what's cool and what's not. Mm-hmm. Uh, can't think of anyone better. Uh, so, so Gav, tell me, who are your nominations? Well, uh, my first one is potentially the most controversial, but I, I can't have them not be mentioned on my list because I, I, do, I am a member of his adoring fan club. Uh, that's obviously Max, Max Heinzer. He didn't have a great Olympics, let's be honest, let's be clear about that, but he was injured. Um, I just love him to bits. I think he's a really exciting fencer to watch. I don't know how many other fences have done cooking on top of a mountain. I just like I just love everything about the guy and uh, I'm sorry, but I do genuinely think he's just cool. And that's that. Okay, well, um, <laughs> <laughs> it's nice to hear your... Hear your <laughs> Express your opinion so strongly. Yes. Um, your your unashamed 
fandom of, uh, of Matt Sainzer is it's really quite touching. It's quite touching. I'm sure he cares. Let's put it yeah, that way. Because he's that cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. So, so Max, Max, your number one nomination. Yes. Okay, who's next? Uh, it's going to be Zsaj of, uh, of, of Hungary. Um, but obviously she's a great fencer. Um, we all know that she's been around for a while now. We all know that she's a good, you know, she's one of those fencers that's always been there or thereabouts. But for me, watching her in the in her semi and then watching her in the final, and when she actually and, and what actually her expression when she actually won, there was just something really warming. It was like a, I mean, the whole place is lit up when she when she actually won. Um, she wasn't the favourite, I don't think, going into that. So yeah, I just, I just, it was just, it was just cool. A proper feel good moment. It was a feel good yeah. moment. There was nothing bad about it. Yeah. And for me, it just came across. That's why I think it was cool. It was, it was a, such a pleasant moment for the sport. Okay, okay. So next up in your your cool list, uh, Mr. Toldo, the the uh, Brazilian assassin. <laughs> <laughs> he put out my one of my top tips. He put out Yukiota. Uh, Made the last day, bit of an astonishing performance. Let's let's face it, this is the the home team thing, playing out in front of our eyes here. But oh man, he was just on fire that day, and with a little bit more, I hate to use the word, but luck, he might he might actually have medaled, which would have been a truly astonishing moment in Olympic history, I think. And I just loved it, just loved all of that. Yeah, certainly the buzz from the crowd when he was was fencing and and winning, winning his way through the rounds. Yeah. Um, is something that that really lifted the, the, the atmosphere in the stadium by the sound of it. Yeah. Um, and it's, you know, like you wouldn't have put any mo- uh, money on uh, Taldo beating Ota, for example. No, no. no and no. then and then and then his subsequent victories after that, even you wouldn't have put money on it. So the guy was clearly on fire, and I just love that. Just it's just something that it's a sporting story. You know, I just really love that. Very good. Okay, you got one more. Uh, oh yes, and uh, it's Mohammed, the women's brewer from uh, America. Mm-hmm. Um, there's lots. There's lots to like here. She's a great fencer. I just love the fact that she's obviously uh, considering how charged the political atmosphere is in America. The fact that she's a you know a practicing Muslim woman representing America in top flight sport, and I think that's actually awesome. And I think I wanted to give her a nod since we're having this discussion. Okay. Um, Soon enough, when we're drawing up our respective cool lists. Um, none of the fencers that appear on your list appear on mine. Um, <laughs> Personality so thing there. Right? <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, but my my four. Um, I've gone for uh, Inspi Bakri. Oh right, yes. Tuesday women's women's Who, as I mentioned earlier, was uh, the first African woman to to win an Olympic medal in fencing, and I think that's that, that is, is awesome. pretty cool. That yeah. is awesome. Um, Next up, Erwan um, Lepeshu, uh, <laughs> French, French men's foilist. Uh, I know you're convinced that he's actually about 105 years old. He but, must be. Uh, he, he just doesn't simply wear a beard as well as you and I do. Um, he is 105. I, I thought he was cool. I mean, he's French in the first place. Uh, so that's always yes. a bit cool. Um, he's not just French, he's quite a cool Frenchman. Yes. Um, and he very, very nearly managed to carry his pretty ordinary men's foil team to... An Olympic gold medal in the, in the men's foil team event, so he, he gets uh, he gets my cool vote for that. Um, my f- next nomination is uh, winner of the men's foil. Um, if you're Olympic champion at men's foil, clearly you are going to be inherently cool. Um, again, because of his nationality, he's Italian. Italian is quite cool. Um, the only thing that slight, slightly spoiled it for me um, was when he scored his final hit he did set off on a ridiculous, more or less, lap of the entire stadium, which probably um, brought his cool, cool rating down a little bit. Mm. 
Um, my fourth and final nomination uh, is Daryl Homer, uh, the American uh, men's sobriety. Because he hit one guy once. For, uh, for me, the <laughs> most phenomenal hit of all the hits in right. the fencing at the Olympics. 14-0, uh, Olympic semi-final, um, gamble big and it comes off. Uh, if you lose, you're going to fence against the, the world number one for a bronze medal and are likely to go home with nothing whatsoever. Mm. Um, and it was just such an amazing hit, one that genuinely sort of took my breath away um, as, as I watched it happen, watched it happen live. Um, it was just a most, an amazing moment. Um, and for a, a single moment of cool, um, that is the one that is um, the, the biggest oh, yeah. for me. Right, so, so I'm going to reach an agreement on this. Oh, I don't know. I mean, like, how okay, are we going to decide this? I'll tell you what. Well, I'm going to make an entirely arbitrary decision. Oh, are you now? Uh, okay. I'm going to um, exert some authority here uh-huh. uh, and declare that Daryl Homer is, for the moment, <sighs> our first, our inaugural coolest fence for Really? Yes, I am. He's not cooler than Max, though. I, I really. <laughs> well, we can have it, we can go around this a, a, a couple more times. I mean, is he as cool as. Toldo. I mean, Toldo was his great kind of run there in the Olympics, you know, but did Daryl get a gold medal? Is he cooler than Daniel Galazzo? Is it, is it fair to compare uh, Daryl to Daniele Galazzo? No, it's not, but we need a result here, yeah. Uh, okay, right, so am I, am I, am I just going to have to just accept your decision then? Uh, yeah. Okay. Well, I think we should throw this one open, actually. I think we should just say to people who's listening, do you agree? Do you agree that Daryl Homer is the... Uh, the, the coolest fencer on the planet right now and uh, if not why not let us know <laughs> who would who would your nominations have been yes okay Gav so I think that pretty much uh, rounds off our first podcast um, hope you've enjoyed it um, and if you have please, please tell your, mm-hmm. your clubmates tell your friends tell your family that's right tell random strangers that you meet mm-hmm. in the streets oh hang on but don't tell them if you don't like it oh yeah yeah don't mention that just don't mention that at all just don't speak of that mm-hmm. Um, if you have any comment you'd, you'd like to share with us any opinions any suggestions or ideas uh, you can email us at thefencingpodcast at gmail.com uh, and please have a, have a look at our website thefencingpodcast.com uh, and you can follow us on Facebook and Twitter but I think that's us for this day is it? well it's certainly fun for me excellent thanks for watching thank goodbye. you goodbye now